Hi and welcome back to the Campus Founder Podcast, a podcast that explores the journeys of exciting startups founded by students. Today on the podcast we've got Sam Collins, co-founder of StudentWorks, the company that connects those with jobs to do with a student workforce. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast. Hi Sam, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you Ben. Good to uh, good to be speaking today. Great. Uh, why don't we start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself and how you came to find yourself as an entrepreneur? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm I'm Sam Collins. I'm one of the co-founders of Student Works. Um, I sort of I kind of say fell into entrepreneurship as such it's something that I've always always had in the back of my mind I've always been kind of interested in 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 business and and finding those little gaps in the market and and niches and I've got one of those brains that's always always got various um business ideas flying around so um to say that I I fell into it's probably not not 100% appropriate but I I that feels like how my journey's been been so far but it's always been something I've been been keen to get in involved in um I, I was always that that guy at school that was you know, selling selling sweets and um to to make a little bit of money um on the side and I've always sort of worked from a young age and doing various odd jobs here and there and having little schemes growing up so it's it's something that I've always always been been interested in um but in terms of how i kind of ended up into sort of my my journey so far and getting involved with student works i i i say i fell into it because it came out of my university placement year so i was at uh, exeter uh university studying economics and philosophy and as as part of that um well they they say all things happen for a reason i was actually due to go out and work in shanghai for a year um but at the last minute it all fell through due to various visa complications so i went to work for um a recruitment consultancy in in london uh specializing in sort of PR executive headhunting um, and as part of that I ended up building up a really good relationship with one of the founders of that company um, and towards the end of my placement I sort of sat down in a pub lunch um, one day with him and we got chatting and as a as a student at the time um, he he sort of just said asked me my opinion on on an idea that he sort of had um, which was all stemmed from cutting the grass and he was just looking for someone to, to cut the grass for him and um, he had a young daughter um, at the, say at the time he the daughter's still still very young um, but they they were looking for, for somebody to come and cut the grass he didn't want to get a gardener in on expensive day rates because he just wanted someone to quickly whiz the the lawnmower around for 10 20 pounds but couldn't find anyone to do it and he just sort of said to me is there um like how do I find students to to come and come and cut the grass for me? Like it'd be a great great if I could just get a local student to come and come and do this. Um, and that is is where sort of why I say I fell into to entrepreneurship because it all stemmed from from that pub lunch. Um, we then got talking and and throwing these ideas around as a as a student myself still at the time. Um, I I don't know sort of what what you're doing at the moment um ben but like i was involved in like had a couple of whatsapp groups going and i was always kind of i never wanted to work all the time when i was at uni um but i was always looking for ways to earn 
money um and so i'd pick up odd jobs here and there and there's a few there's like facebook groups and things that um you almost and there's that whole like town gown divide and you didn't want to mix with the, the locals as such but there are a couple of like facebook groups um down in exeter that i joined and would go and pick up random odd jobs to you know, move some furniture for somebody or um i just like various various weird and wonderful things going to stand in a car park for a day and direct people and things like that um which i'd always end up doing so i thought hang on there's there's something here um and so that's how i kind of ended up um coming into sort of falling into student works then working with with rohan sort of moving forwards um to to where it is today Brilliant. Well, why don't you tell us a bit more about Student Works and, and, and what it is? Yeah, sure. So we, um, we're we a communication channel to the student workforce. So there's 2.6 million students now in, in the UK and universities who essentially it's it's an underutilised workforce. There, there are a huge number of students out there um, who, who are a bit like my myself, who whilst at uni, um, you want to work, you want to earn money to fund your studies slash go to the pub slash do whatever it is you you might be looking to do but also you're you're looking to get really good work experience doing things that you may not necessarily normally have the opportunity to do while studying to build up those soft skills and um, to help you sort of move on as you enter the workplace and and hopefully give you that competitive edge so it's getting that balance between earning a bit of cash getting those skills for that competitive edge um, and so we kind of thought well hang on how can we put this this workforce to, to good use and help them um, to get these opportunities and so what we've done is built this communication channel with students that sign up onto our, our platform and then we have a, a host of small and, and medium-sized businesses that come onto our site when they're looking for for essentially ad hoc staff so they've got tasks that need doing um, and they can then utilize students to do these tasks whether that's putting together some blog posts or social media posts doing some data entry or market research and putting together sort of synopsis packs for um, th those individuals to then go and sort of utilize within their day-to-day -day work um, but then also um, a host of bars and restaurants etc that are always looking for, for ad hoc workers and they need people um, on a flexible basis that can come and work for them and as students you're it's brilliant if you're sort of not doing anything on a Tuesday evening and you you've got your app your student works app on the phone and you get a, a notification that pops up and says can you come and work and earn 50 pounds this evening then it, it's a brilliant way to bridge the gap for you to earn some cash or get some some great experience so student works yeah at its core we're a communication channel um, for businesses to to get in touch with students and then we deal with all of the, the payroll and the payment protection um, alongside as it builds out a sort of uh, a, essentially is we call it a student works cv but in the the bigger picture um, we are building out it's this cradle to grave recruitment process so we we want to help people that uh, sort of really actually realize that the work that you do often in a bar or a restaurant or, or whatever it might be can have a huge impact in your ability to get a job in the future and um, too often it gets sort of discarded when it comes to final stage interviews for that 
grad scheme you'll i wouldn't say embarrassed but i, I don't know i know from my personal experience i went sort of down a few grad scheme interview routes and I, I didn't want to kind of mention the fact that I worked at a burger bar um, in a in an interview with sort of this professional services company but actually it kind of once you get talking about those experiences that's what the interviews are more interested in and so it's helping people h highlight the skills that you get from those those experiences um, to help you into the the workplace and so we've got this portal that as you work through student works, you can filter into and then um, that then gets sent off to sort of the bigger grad graduate recruiters as well. That's absolutely brilliant. And being a student myself, I can completely understand both the, the needing money side of things and the experience side of things. Do you think one thing that kind of stood out to me that was quite interesting is that you yourself before founding this business would have been someone who was targeted as a customer of the business. Do you think that passion and that understanding of what your customers need really drove this business idea from the offset? Definitely, one, 100%. I think it's, um, we often sort of joke in, in some respects that the business came about because of laziness. Um, the, the, <laughs> our customers are there. It isn't laziness, uh, people, but at the same time, people are, people are time poor now more than ever and you've got a whole host of different things that you're you're looking to do and, and need need doing um but with a limited amount of resource whether that's time or or money to do it so as as a as a customer yeah definitely we're i i know personally uh, I've, I've used students um, to help me both in my business and my personal life sort of get the most out of life for want of a better example, uh, better phrase. Um, it sounds, sounds rich, but my grandma needed her fence painting and I've hired students to do it um, for me because I didn't have the time to do it, but I know my grandma really needed it doing. Um, so it, it was fantastic to be able to sort of help somebody else out, help my grandma out. And I felt sort of like I'd achieve something as well so yeah I think if you don't un if you can't envision yourself as a customer of the product that you're creating uh, then it's never it's always going to be very difficult when it comes to the sales and marketing part to really be successful and mm -hmm. I think personally and this is definitely the the situation I'm in at the moment I think partially because of the, the stage of the business now where where we're at but at the end of it sales and marketing is probably one of the most important things you're ever going to end up doing um, because without it money doesn't come into the business and without that then it the business does sort of cease to to function I think we get quite wrapped up um in the sort of the, the venture capital and the the fundraising side of things um too too quickly within this sort of entrepreneurial startup space which is which is great and it's fine um for a period of time but at the end of it you're trying to build a business and the business needs to make money um so if if you can't sell it or market it then then you're always going to struggle and the best way to do that is to envision yourself as a customer um, because then when you are speaking to your customers as well they they'll relate to you and it's that passion and that relatability that people buy into no i couldn't agree more i think that's really really great advice uh, one question that that's come to me is how do you go about 
verifying that that these students will be good at what they say they'll come around to do so you, you used the example of painting your your grandma's fence how do you verify for you or your grandma or whoever's hiring that they're going to be good sure. at what they so do? we do um we do allow students you, you can upload a cv when you create a profile with us and, and put in all of your experience we we have peer-to-peer ratings in place as well um which as the the platform grows and people do more and more work enables you sort of it's that social verification um, at the moment currently we allow each individual employer just to directly communicate with the with the students and and that's where we find that actually that social and communication verification is the best way forward um we've we've not quite cracked it yet we've got various sort of ideas that we would like to implement with sort of virtual and sort of online testing for for improved verification purposes, people can do tests um, and provide sort of quiz scores um, and sort of gamified videos that you can run through to ensure that you've got certain capabilities. Um, but but we've not quite got there yet. Um, but we we do find for the for the time being that actually just picking up the phone and, and having a conversation with someone, if you if you ask the right questions and know kind of what you need doing um, because that's what we have found uh, the majority of our customers know what they need doing they could do it themselves um, but they've just not not got the time or they've not got around to doing it so they they can know the questions to ask so that we we use that as our verification um, at the moment it's it's still a very much a work in progress and it's not um, we're, we're working on improving it and it's something we're sort of we we need to spend a bit more time on um, but for the time being that's what we're we're having to use I, I think it's it's like a, a lot of startups you, you need to just get something out the door at the end of it and, and get things going otherwise um, we'd it would never start in terms of you spoke about work experience so is there some kind of a, a reference platform for, for these students so say for example if i did a couple of jobs would would i be able to get a reference from student work so is it or is it maybe directly from the um yeah the so it's, it's a really interesting question actually and it's something that we've been been thinking a lot about because although this business came about say out of laziness and people needing to to get things done and how you want to be able to tap into the the student market actually tackling the whole work experience issue is the real reason behind why why I'm actually doing this I personally believe at its core that the way work experience is set up at the moment is there's there's a lot of fundamental issues with it, it in some respects it's far too structured where you're you're expected I mean you go and do a, a week's work experience when you're 15 um, and actually that's just more of a hindrance than a help for the the employer because they're finding things for you to do um, you end up just sort of being being there and it's fine for a day or two but you don't get any real benefit from it uh, that's not to say that some people don't have good experiences but too often that these sort of poor badly um, set up uh, systems are the, are the case um, and, and as such, actually, if you can communicate and get these bits of work experience as and when there's a real need from an employer, you can feel like you're making a tangible difference um, to their company. You get a far better insight into what it is they're actually doing because you're doing 
you're doing the doing um, and they benefit as well because they get things done that they need to, to be done so we're we're trying to make work experience far more practical in terms of giving you the option to have far more work experience albeit it might be the same amount of time and over the course of a year but doing a day here and there but real quality work experience as and when you're doing it is fantastic. And, and from that, we, we plan exactly, like you said, to that reference point of view. What we're, we're looking to, to achieve is for people to, to come and join Student Works from a young age. You can then work through through sort of your out throughout your your time as a student on the platform get a host of different experience throughout the different jobs that you do and um, we are then able sort of through the system that we're building to extract the skills that you would have had um, from those different experiences and from the ratings and reviews that you've got to give you I mentioned again, it's, it's this student work CV, which is essentially a profile of all of the work you've done, all of the skills that you've built up, all of the um, the, the good references that you've had from it, um, which then you can either show to potential employers, um, but also that we can then use to put you in front of um, other potential employers as well. So we can sort of go to the big um, the big graduate recruiters, but also the, the SMEs that we're already building up these relationships with and say, look, Ben, ben graduated um, this year in X, Y and Z. He's done X, Y and Z and has all of this fantastic experience um, that very much relates to the kind of employees that you normally take on is this going to be someone of interest for you to hire more permanently um, and it sort of becomes uh, I wouldn't say a it's not nothing like a, an indeed or like a typical CV website but it, it's a portal that by you getting experience you can show it to other employers but also it's another route for you to be contacted by employers um, because they you don't actually even need to show them a reference. That's the first thing they see about you and, and the first thing that they're interested in. And it can initiate further conversations and the potential to um, to a, a long, prosperous career. No, that sounds absolutely brilliant. I mean, there are clearly countless uh, benefits for for not only the student trying to gain experience, but also for the company to also having the students work there. One of the things you mentioned uh, with, with these relationships with SMEs, how did you go about forging those relationships? So from a I, practical point I think of view? from very much the, the, the nitty gritty of it, it, it's about getting it out there. It's it, I know that sounds really kind of obvious, um, but at, at the end of it, you've just got to to put yourself in in front of your your target audience. Now, we personally have found, and a lot of people, it, I think it gets a bad name at times. But cold emailing does work, and cold outreach um, and picking up the phone, um, it works. People are quite often afraid to do it because of the the rejection sometimes that that um that all that comes with it and it is it can be a bit demoralizing at times when you've spent sort of eight hour eight hours in a day just calling non-stop being told thanks but no thanks um but it, it works and when that yes does come in it is fantastic it's the best thing in the world um it gives you that sort of validation that hang on you're you're doing something worthwhile here um so 
what I and what we've sort of found and one of my sort of recommendations would definitely be um, there's a there's a host of sort of free tools out there that you can use for this. Um, we use something called Reply.io. Um, it's worth checking out actually. Um, even even for job searching, actually, um, it, it essentially enables you to get find email addresses of individuals that you think are a, a good customer fit. Um, if you use that um, alongside LinkedIn, you can find your sort of do your LinkedIn search for relevant individuals, find their email address and just get in touch with them, drop them a message um, and just don't stop either. Don't just drop them one message, drop them. Normally we find actually it's on the fourth fourth message that we start to get a response and people start to think, okay, hang on. No, these guys are being, being persistent. People appre appreciate persistence. Uh, at the end of it, people understand, particularly when you're dealing with businesses, they understand that you, you do need to sell. Then you're just you're doing a job to keep your company afloat in the same way that they need to sell. So just be persistent and and get in touch with people. Um, I'm I'm sure there are there are other ways of doing it, um, but I found that actually it it works. So just go with it. Great. No, I think there's really great advice about being persistent. Um, it's certainly something that I've I've found even with this podcast, just just cold cold messaging people on LinkedIn and things like that. It, it actually really worked. And I think the point about just keep keep going is is brilliant advice. Um, do you mind me asking? And, and you may not want to answer this, and that's absolutely fine. But could you describe your pricing and business model? Sure. For, um, um so we we don't charge students well we don't charge students anything um it's, it's completely free free of charge for you to use um there are uh, there's a tiny fee that we um we pass on to you but we so we don't actually um that we get charged by stripe our payment provider um but we don't charge students anything so all of our money comes from um employers so we take a one pound per hour flat fee on top of whatever students uh, are working um, for. Well, I was very keen when sort of setting up this and it's always it's getting that balance right but I'd worked um, for a few sort of various catering agencies and things during my time at like various holidays whilst at uni um, and, and was often sort of outraged by the fact that this agency was charging charging me out at x rate and i was receiving sort of barely a, a tiny percentage of that and i understand why they do it because they can but it, it just didn't seem um it didn't seem like a fair way for the businesses to to get my services um so we wanted to make it fair but also cost effective um but also just simple so we we keep it we keep it simple it's one pound per hour um on top of any hours that that students work through us that's that's our business model it's it's as simple as that brilliant no thanks and, and obviously this is an application that, that students and employers would use um one thing that i'm particularly interested in is, is how you went about building the mobile app uh, and website and and do you have any advice for founders who are about to start you know the journey of building their own application, their own um, uh, web application. Yeah, um, don't don't do what we did. Um, <laughs> sort of made every every mistake in the <laughs> the book probably here. So um, yeah, but by all means, uh, could be here could be here for a while. But um, we so we initially um, kind of outsourced it to to India to, to get built, which um, was was an absolute nightmare and was 
the I, I've you hear mixed experiences and um, some people it works for and some it doesn't it, it didn't we had an, a, an awful experience trying to kind of just get a really basic MVP built um, we were trying to do it cheaply and cost effectively because it, it was exactly that we just wanted an MVP to prove that it worked um, in the end it just took far too long and it, it cost cost more money than it, it should have done um, I think actually if if we were to ever do it again we would have kept far more control and it, i suppose this does depend this is assuming that you're setting this up as a non-technical founder um personally i think i would suggest if if you can find a, a technical co-founder then that's by definitely the best way to go about it um it will save you a lot of headaches um down the road can save you an awful lot of time and hassle but also enable you to actually develop the product and and its core offering far more quickly and um, because you can take on that customer feedback and, and just implement it from from day one um if you're not approaching it though with a, a technical co-founder i think to begin with um i would suggest uh, things have changed as well especially in the last i've even noticed in the last sort of 80 18 months two years there's far more of these kind of no code type applications you can use like as well there's, there's a few of them out there um that you can try um but i just suggest just build something um doesn't don't worry too much if it's a bit glitchy if it's not 100 perfect um but just build something put together a rough mvp even if you go on to um like wordpress there's ways of doing things now without any real technical knowledge that you can put together something that has exactly what you need it to have and it's basic core functionality i i do caveat this with i, I do appreciate there are um certain applications and, and pieces of software that are far more complicated and some people are solving some really um advanced problems um so it would depend what your sort of problem the problem is you're trying to solve but if most things you can put together some kind of mvp even if it's purely sort of it doesn't actually function it's just a collection of slides that that's you can put together to show people to demonstrate the kind of thing that it would do that's definitely the best way to go about it to begin with because it's tangible you can then either turn up to investors and say look this is what i'm trying to build um now can i have some money to actually build it properly um but also you can start to put together a bit of a a you a user or potential customer base off the back of that, um, even if it's just an email email list um, to keep people informed of what you're on about. So when you do finally have that product, you're you're hitting the ground running. Great. Uh, I think one question that follows on nicely from this um, is actually what has been or will be your your go to market plan with Student Works. We're fortunate now. We we ended up launching at the the beginning of this year um after we had all of the the trouble with the the initial mvp we we ended up um we didn't bring in our own sort of cto um but we we have an equity agreement with a, a development house um so we've been able to actually build a a, a sort of fully blown um and workable product that we're we're pretty pretty proud of um it's it's sort of we spent a, a good amount of time and time and effort building it and getting it out there and it now works works really quite quite cleanly and smoothly um so we we've been able to to push it push it out and, and get it out the door um we we ended up so we were part of an accelerator program um linked with the university of southampton um and 
like a lot of founders, we, we went in and wanted to solve a host of different problems from day one and um, we're going to take over the world, kind of got dragged back down to earth and they said, no, like, pick, pick one target audience, one customer sort of base, let's tackle them first. And once you've nailed that, then we can sort of move on from there. So given the nature of what we do, that was based around the hospitality industry um, because there is that huge demand. Um, I have experience working within that space and, and a network in place as well from um, sort of other, other projects I've been involved in. Um, so we are go-to-market strategy was initially all based around partnerships. Um, from that network I already had in place, we were able to put a couple of partnerships in place with a few big hospitality organizations and one of the major governing bodies within the hospitality space um, we we were working with um, to get get it out there and in front of the sort of the the tens of thousands of, of businesses in that space in the UK. Um, Unfortunately, we were going for six weeks when COVID hit. Um, so that kind of put a bit of a, a halt to, to that. Um, and so we've, we've ended up pivoting maybe slightly earlier than we planned. Um, so it's, this year, it's been a funny one. We've, it's been a, a lot of just testing and learning and, and testing these hypotheses to, to sort of reassess what our go-to-market strategy is going to be um, as sort of I mentioned previously about cold email approach. Um, for the time being, that's what we're sticking with because it's working. We're seeing a fantastic ROI on it, and given we're given everything still very un stable and we're not 100% sure what's going to happen but also we're keen to still leverage those partnerships in the hospitality space once the the world gets back to normal um, we don't want to end up testing and and spending too much of our of our capital um, on on something that we don't know for sure is going to work so we're we are purely using or predominantly using um, cold cold emailing at the moment um, and we've got a sort of a system in place that that's working so that that doesn't sound like a go-to-market strategy but that's what we're what we're doing um, and it's just, just getting it out there through through traditional it's a traditional sales method great no that sounds brilliant and you mentioned uh, just then about the accelerator with the University of Southampton I was going to ask about fundraising along the way and whether you'd pitch for any grants or not, um, and how didn't work with funded. I'm assuming that's part of how it was funded with the accelerator. Were there any other fundraising events? And, and if not, yeah, so we we ended up raising money through um, some of various business angels. Um, we put sort of uh, interestingly, again, it all stems from from cold outreach. Um, say all stem predominantly stems from cold outreach with just getting in in touch with. Um, there's there's a host of investors investors on LinkedIn and business angels and, and reaching out to them saying, um, look, this is what we're doing. This is the problem we're trying to solve. Um, here's our pitch deck. It would be great to speak, speak more um, and, and going about it in that, that fashion. And eventually we found individuals that, that got on board and believed in what we were, were doing and, and got them to, to, to raise money. Um, we're, fortunate to have that SEIS allocation um, that, that makes things an awful lot easier um, to, to entice investors in um, because of the, the tax rebates involved. Um, and then we 
also so it was a combination of angels and then an equity agreement that we had in place with a development house as i mentioned um previously where we have agreed we were able to not raise as much capital by um giving away equity um in exchange for development um so that's sweat equity um which has, has enabled us to build out the product as it is um so it's the combination the combination of the two is sort of how it's all been um funded so far um and then we uh, unfortunately the the accelerator um there was meant to be sort of a fundraising element involved in it um that all got put on pause um, because the it was meant to be at the beginning of April and and it never it never came about and almost uh, sort of nine months on I think it's hopefully happening in January of, of next year that we'll be able to to go out and speak speak to investors through the the accelerator but um, that that's not confirmed yet unfortunately. Uh, well, fingers crossed it goes ahead. Uh, you, you you mentioned there the SEIS just for any future founders who aren't aware of that essentially so there's something called seis um which is sort of which gives you a, or any investor gets a 50 percent tax rebate on any investment that they make into a, a startup um up to one hundred fifty thousand pounds um which is fantastic because it means that if they invest ten thousand pounds into your business they immediately get five thousand pounds of that back as a as a tax rebate so they they can invest ten thousand pounds for the cost of five thousand pounds um which for for an investor is is brilliant it's mitigating um their their risk and and also um maximizing the the value of their investment as well and and then they also added into that there's potential for they could like a, a loss relief um so if if the business doesn't work the investor can then claim an even another um rebate um i can't remember the exact figure off the top of my head but it ends up being potentially if an investor puts ten thousand pounds into a business the most they're likely to lose would be about what's say four thousand two hundred and fifty pounds um was it four thousand pounds um if that all goes um that business goes down the pan so it's a brilliant incentive for them to invest because they can get potentially huge returns on actually quite a, a small amount of money um, and you can yeah, leverage that up to £150,000 um, and that can then be taken a step further with the EIS scheme which is, is the same principle um, but I won't say it's just the 30, 30 or 35% rebate that is in place um, there so it's not quite as attractive but still um, some very good tax savings on on offer um, through these these schemes which just encourage the, the, they're put in place by the government to encourage investment into into the tech space i think now would be a great time to move into the quick fire round so so essentially what we'll do here is i'll ask yeah three sounds great um, and you'll have 60 seconds to answer perfect all right so the first one is an incredibly cheesy question um so i apologize for that but who is i'm going to say and why this is slightly off probably i mentioned earlier about resilience and just keeping on going um i so when i'm quite small and when i was younger my dad said oh you should go and do i went into judo so martial art he was like you're small you should go and like do some martial arts it's like okay great cool i'm very young at this point and i had a, a fan i was really fortunate um to have a fantastic coach um, a guy called paula jala um who he went on he was a british judo champion he was only four foot 
10 I think um, he was a tiny little guy um, but he just kept on going um, and he he went on to be a, a hugely successful um, judoka purely because he he was resilient and I think I'm going to say he was probably one of my biggest inspirations actually he kind of just said to me as, as, a, as a, a fellow small person it, it just it was like yeah don't never give up just keep on chugging away keep plodding on and eventually things will things will work out for you so um yeah he's my my biggest inspiration brilliant great second question if you could have been part of any businesses founding Ryanair which would it have been and why um I personally I everyone loves to hate Ryanair I think they're fantastic um they they don't profess to be anything other than cheap we all know they're a bit rubbish and you but you get what you pay for everyone will walk off a plane say i'm never never flying with ryanair again and you can guarantee that they will because at the end of it it's cheap um i I like their brutal honesty and i think I, i would have been really interested to know as part of that journey into becoming what they are today was the plan always and i don't think it was to create this cheap and cheerful airline um and be being that brutally honest because i know sort of michael o'leary came in uh, he wasn't one of the original founders even though he's sort of associated with ryanair as, as it is today um but i think that would have been a really interesting sort of company to be part of um and i think probably if you work in customer services um, or you're the head of customer services at ryanair um that's a tough job um <laughs> you'd certainly have some interesting interesting feedback i'm sure great no i don't know i wasn't expecting you to say that at all so i think it's a great answer um well listen thank you very much sam for coming on your show i think not only is, is student works a great um business but i think you, you've given some really really useful advice thank you ever so much to sam for coming on and sharing his founding journey with us as well as providing some great advice Make sure to subscribe if you enjoyed the episode and we'll see you next week.